And it's time to talk sports in the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. They turn scrap metal into cash. Ronnie O is out. Coach Joe in the house. Yeah, we don't have Ronnie flying with us tonight. Going, going on without him, he sends his best, and he'll be back next week. So fear not, Flipper, Winter, Shamu, and other friends of the ocean. We'll see Ronnie again soon. Actually, we're not sure if he's going to be back next week, Eric, because uh, next week oh, really? in Tampa is the SEC Men's Basketball Tournament, Ooh. and uh, that means the Gators will be in yeah. action I next... know what's more important to Ronnie. Oh. <laughs> yeah, next Thursday night they will be in action. Uh, right now... It's possible they could be playing in that 7 o'clock slot or in the 9 o'clock or 9.30 slot. Either way, uh, there's a, they'll be likely to be playing next Thursday night, either right during the show or right after. So I don't know. We'll have to see if Ronnie's going to be uh, phoning, phoning us <laughs> next week. Might, might just be you and me then. March. Madness. Mad is madness. You know what else is making me mad in March? Not so much the madness, which I'm looking forward to. Something I'm not looking forward to is the uh, baseball is March that we're going to have to go through again here in Polk County as it stands. Uh, you know, that's you got that great SEC basketball tournament in Tampa, but what you don't have in Tampa and you don't have here in Lakeland is you don't have that spring training baseball that we're used to seeing. And that's making me a little bit mad, Eric. You know, it's a, it's a lockout. It's not a strike. Don't call it a strike because it's a lockout. And what's the difference? Frankly, it doesn't matter, right? But just for the record, the difference is that in a strike situation, it's the players who are refusing to show up and play. This is a lockout, and it's been a lockout since December 1st. That's where the owners basically lock the gate and say, you can't come in and use the facilities. So uh, the players are on their own. They certainly can't uh, get together and play a game or use any of the organizational equipment or facilities so they're just trying to stay in shape as best they can. And the cynical thing about it, the thing that makes me mad, Eric, isn't that they're having a difference. Every few years they have to renew their collective bargaining agreement, which sets the terms under which uh, they run the game and, and how it's played and the money that's available and all that. You know, the business end of sports, it has to be taken care of. But it's not necessary for a stoppage like this. It's only happening because the, uh, well, it's all being driven by the owners. It's a very cynical cynical ploy they're doing and they they don't care about the fans in the situation they certainly don't care about the players they just want to grasp every last dollar they can and they set up the lockout in a fashion that will allow them to lose very little money they've already canceled the first week of the regular season and they're going to go ahead and cancel as much as a month before they would even worry about the possibility of lost revenue because the first month of the season, uh, we call that a loss leader. You know, the attendance isn't that great. The television ratings aren't that great. Uh, in, in April, people are paying attention to NBA and NHL and, uh, and uh, spring football around here. But uh, it's in the postseason where they make all their money. And they've been looking to expand the postseason as part of this new collective bargaining agreement. The players... Uh, are interested, and they're really not that far apart. There's some other issues, you know, luxury tax cap, uh, the minimum salary, the arbitration rules, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but this is about probably, I, I envision a future where the season gets shortened uh, back to maybe the way it was in uh, the old days, uh, you know, uh, when Ronnie was considered young. Uh, that's how long ago, 154-game season used to be played. I can see them going back to something like that, which would allow an extra week 
uh, to ex- expand the playoffs, which is really what the owners want. That's what they crave. And uh, uh, they want that, and they want every other last dollar they can they can grasp at this point. So uh, settle in for the long haul. Those of us who live around here and love spring training, it's a, it's a big loss. You know, uh, between now and the next on our show next week, I'll be uh, turning another year older. And it's a tradition to uh, on my birthday to go to a spring training game, either here in Lakeland or over in Tampa. And it's not going to happen this year. And uh, it's a little bit disappointing. And, and I got to I got to tell you, I'm very, very down on the what donors are doing at this point. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm ready to write the whole season off and, you know, talk to me in a year and we'll get back to it. I suppose I'll uh, be a little more forgiving when the time comes. But for now. Uh, there's unfortunately not a whole lot of good stuff to talk about baseball, but there's a lot of good basketball to talk about. And uh, Adam Silverstein, our good friend from OnlyGators.com, is going to join us in a few minutes to talk about that. And then uh, also, you know what else is going on around here? The, this whole month has been a lot of great auto racing, uh, including uh, last week uh, – in, in the uh, Grand Prix race, and uh, we had Daytona a couple of weeks ago, and Holly Kane's going to join us. Now, we taped this interview a couple of days ago because she's about she's winging her way to Vegas tonight to for next week's NASCAR race, and we're going to talk a, 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 about what all the great racing that's occurred here in the last few weeks, and you really want to listen, ladies and gentlemen, to that interview with Holly, and it's on tape a little bit later, because if you don't know the answer to the sports question, quiz question tonight you will if you listen to the interview with holly so stay tuned for that but in the meantime we're going to take our first break of the night and then we'll be back with adam silverstein here in the ozone you've got coach joe on talk radio 96.7 wlkf this is jack youngblood former florida gator and you're listening to ronnie ocean on the ozone hey ronnie o and coach joe in the ozone Yes, just just curb your excitement now, you know. It's just the, the ozone. We're talking sports. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. This Saturday, on our sister station, WONN, 1230 AM, 107.1 FM, Gators versus Kentucky from the Exact Tech Arena, 1.30 pregame, 2 o'clock start. For our Gator men, who are coming off a very important win at Vanderbilt, as are our Gator women earlier today. And we want to talk about that. We want to figure out what's going on with Gators and Gator basketball. And when you want to know what's going on with the Gators, you got to turn to our next guest from OnlyGators.com, Adam Silverstein. Welcome back to the Ozone. Adam, it's great talking to you again. Hey, thanks for having me once again. Appreciate uh, it. Yeah, it was uh, quite the game. So we'll start with the most recent thing that happened. There's two great wins for the Gators in Nashville this week already. Uh, but uh, the one for the women this uh, earlier today was unbelievable. Yeah, uh, down 14 points late in the third quarter. I outscored them 20-8 to eight in the fourth quarter, despite losing their best player. And uh, one with eight seconds left, basically went ahead. A couple free throws, and the ladies uh, pulled it out. Really, really impressive win. Got to got to uh, mention the bad news though too. Uh, apparently, Kiki Smith suffered a Absolutely. pretty pretty bad injury uh, during that game. They still managed to rally for this game, but uh, they they're due to play Ole Miss in the next round of the SEC tournament uh, tomorrow at three thirty, and it doesn't look like she's going to be back for that or anytime soon. Do we have any update on that, Adam? Yeah. No, no specific update at this time, but she bad. It seemed to badly injure her knee, 
um, in the fourth quarter, somewhat late in the fourth quarter, actually, going trying to drive uh, into the paint. Uh, she was down for a few minutes, couldn't put any weight on it. So I think, you know, clearly without having any legitimate information at this point, the expectation is she's done for the SEC tournament. And, I mean, there's a really good chance she's out for a significant period of time, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, Kiki Smith is the star of the team, uh, Kara Smith. She leads the Gators in almost every single category you can lead. Points, rebounds, assists, steals. Uh, it's all her. Um, so, certainly, it was a gutty effort by Florida pulling out the win uh, today against Vanderbilt. But, you know, their chances for this tournament without her, it's the road is much more difficult. Obviously, better opponents. Uh, but, you know, not having Kiki Smith it really puts a damper on what was a really nice win and what's been a great season for the Gators. It really has, and the emotions came pouring out after that game. Kelly Ray Finley just recently appointed as the permanent head coach of the women's basketball team in tears. I've never seen that after a second-round game, especially Mm -hmm. when you win. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it takes a very unique circumstance for that to happen, but I think, you know, the entire team having to watch Kiki hurt on the court inside a couple minutes you know, it's one thing if you never want to see a player get hurt you never want to see one of your teammates get hurt it's one thing if it happens in the first quarter and you start playing and you get used to playing without them but when it's raw and it's fresh and you're still sad and upset about it and you have two minutes left and you're trying to win a game to save your season or at least save your SEC tournament chances you know that makes it even more difficult so I think she was just so proud of how the team rallied how they all came together and played for Kiki Smith Plus winning the game, I think the emotions just really took over for her in that moment. But it was a sweet it was a sweet sight to see a coach who cares that much about her players. And that's one of the reasons she got this job. She deserved it. She had an incredible season. Um, you know, one of the SEC Coach of the Year candidates. She won it from USA Today. So yeah, just it it was a tough moment for everyone. Yeah, we have rarely, over the years that I've been part of this show, rarely talked about Gator women's basketball because, frankly, there was nothing to talk about, and it didn't look very promising at the beginning of sure. this year. If it looked like a, a disaster. Uh, but uh, she's probably the coach of the year in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, she did not get the vote, I think, from the – I forget if it was the media or the coaches. I'm not sure which one they've already announced. Uh, but South Carolina's coach, Don Staley, did get it. But she was awarded SEC Coach of the Year from USA Today. But what she was able to do, uh, the team won 20 games, first time that's happened in a long time. And, yeah, to take a program that, I mean, there were serious issues coming into the season, not only was she able to rally them into a winning program, but they had a significant level of success. They won 10 of 11 games right in the middle of the SEC schedule, um, beating a ton of top 25 teams. Their only loss was to number one South Carolina during that stretch. I mean, it's, it was just as incredible of a stretch of wins I've seen from Florida women's basketball. And I, I used to you know, do a little work for the team uh, when I was in school, and I've certainly covered it through onlygators.com for the last, I think, 12 years or so now. I just haven't seen the team rally like that, and Kelly Ray Finley deserves a lot of credit, and she certainly got it by being named permanent coach. Yeah, well, hopefully everybody will be watching tomorrow when they play Ole Miss in the next round of the SEC tournament uh, from Nashville at 3.30. I believe it's on SEC Network uh, or ESPN, too. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. we'll, uh, but, uh, you know, the, now that the women's basketball coaching situation is stabilized, uh, let's look at the men's basketball situation, especially with the coaching. Mike White under <laughs> a lot of fire. Uh, sure. You know, the, the Gators have been making the tournament. They they His first or second season, they were in the Elite Eight, and they've been making the tournament every year since and winning at least a game in the tournament every year since. But it appears that they're, unlike the football team, which went into free fall, 
This team is apparently more on a slow slide downwards, and now they're very firmly on the bubble facing a almost a must-win game this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, the Gators definitely had a chance late in the season to kind of not see a spot in the NCAA tournament, but make it more likely than not. And they lost a number of games that they certainly should not have lost, including to a Texas A&M team that had lost something like 10 straight games at the time. Just, just disastrous play. And, yeah, I mean, the issues are wide-ranging you know, throughout the program. It's recruiting, team building in terms of how the roster is put together. The, the players, when they are on the court, make consistent mistakes, the same type of mistakes from one game to another. You can almost set your watch to you know, knowing that a slide is going to come or uh, you know, there's going to be a mistake on an inbounds. We're going to turn it over five times in a row. It, it's, it's clockwork, really, when you, when you watch this team. And as you kind of noted, it's been a steady decline this season, but it's also been somewhat of a steady decline during Mike White's tenure at Florida. And you do wonder you know, what the outcome of that will be at the end of the season. Yeah, you have to wonder about that uh, with, uh, with the Gators. I guess uh, looking at this year's team, and it's similar to the women's team, and it's one of the things that I think you had to put in Mike White's, uh, Grant Mike White credit for this is that the Gators uh, are a team that never, ever phones it in or mails it in or ever gives up. Uh, they've uh, won nine times, I believe, when trailing by double digits. They've come back. And they certainly trailed most of the second half against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt went on a 15 to nothing run mm-hmm. last Tuesday. And the Gators, down nine with uh, only about three minutes to go, managed to close in a 14 to two run to pull that game out with some really incredible play down the stretch, some great team plates. And, and we got to give Mike White credit for that, don't we? Absolutely. I mean, there are certainly, the, the team's not all bad. You know, it's not, it's not a total disaster. They are still technically on the bubble and they do have an opportunity to make it into the tournament with a, you know, if they beat Kentucky, certainly on Saturday uh, in the O-Dome, or if they go on a, a significant run in the SEC tournament. So it's not like uh, Florida is suddenly a bottom team in the SEC, but they're right around that middle of the pack. And while they do have tremendous comebacks and they have been able to pull that off, that is also a team that put themselves in a significant hole that forced them to need to come back in the latter half of games because of whatever reason, lacking motivation, lackluster play, um, lack of discipline in, the, in first halves. And there are also plenty of games that Florida's led and, you know, for significant portions of the game and then gone ahead and lost at the end as well. So it's just been inconsistent. The, the most consistent thing about Florida basketball has been its inconsistency this year. And when there are other issues, again, such as roster building, seeing a ton of players transfer out, and then needing to bring in five different players as transfers this upcoming, this past season. Those are all things that when you add them all together, you do wonder whether athletic director Scott Strickland is making, is having considerations about getting rid of Mike White after this season. Well, looking ahead for the Gators, they play Kentucky this Saturday. And, and to be honest, uh, as we watched the, the first game at Lexington, and the Gators really don't look like mm-hmm. a, a team talented enough to beat these guys. Uh, the best-case scenario, I believe, if they win, would be a sixth seed in the SEC tournament, which would have them playing next Thursday night. Either, I believe the sixth seed would play in the late game, uh, most likely mm-hmm. against... Uh, I guess the, the most likely against uh, the winner of uh, one of those playing in games between uh, 
We know who the playing teams are. Old Miss is against Missouri and Vanderbilt against Georgia on Wednesday. So the Thursday game mm-hmm. is likely very winnable. But then they'd have to mm-hmm. play Tennessee with the way things stand. Uh, but what if they lose? What what what's what's gonna what is the scenarios for the Gators if they get beat by Kentucky? Well, if if Florida loses to Kentucky, especially if it's you know by a significant margin, it's not close, buzzer beat or something like that. Um, they're out of the NCAA tournament. I mean, out, outside of going ahead and winning the SEC tournament, which this team has not necessarily proven it's talented enough to beat all of the top teams in the SEC, you know, two of them at least, maybe three in a row in order to get there. Um, outside of winning the SEC tournament, if they lose to Kentucky, they're out of the NCAA tournament. They're, they, they're, they keep knocking themselves a little bit further off the bubble. They were completely off the bubble before beating Auburn. Then they lost the game coming out of that. And again, it's just it's that inconsistency where they have some good wins, but they're also two and eight against quadrant one opponents. Um, the committee significantly takes a look at the Q1 and Q2 wins and losses, the records, and Florida just doesn't have a very good one. You know, they, they started the season pretty hot, uh, but even when you look at their uh, wins and losses against top 25 opponents this season, they've had an extremely different, difficult schedule in SEC play, playing a ton of ranked teams, some of them at inopportune times other circumstances, but you know, they, the way that they've closed this season has been unfortunately for Florida relatively poor. And if without that Kentucky win, which would be a really nice feather in its cap, the NCAA tournament does look like a lost cause at that point. Yeah. That's a, an awfully tall hill to climb, but that's, that's where they're at. Uh, it, do you see any chance of beating Kentucky? I think anytime you have, Florida, Kentucky, in the O-Dome, there's a chance. And this team is not a poor team. There, there is talent, and there is shooting talent as well. So the way Tyree Appleby has played recently, certainly Colin Castleton, any individual game he can – I mean, he's been obviously the most consistent player all year, but he can suddenly take over and dominate a game at any time. Flandris Fleming uh, has really – and Myron Jones have both had their own games where they've just been – insanely proficient from beyond the arc. So you put that together, absolutely Florida can beat Kentucky, uh, especially at home. I think it was a lot to ask for them to do so at Rupp Arena, and they were competitive for a large portion of that game before the Wildcats just absolutely pulled away. So, you know, would I bet on the the Gators winning straight (laughs) up against uh, the Wildcats? No, probably not. I wouldn't. Not my money, not your money. Maybe one of your listeners' money if if they're a bad person. But uh, no, not. I wouldn't put my money on it. However, is it possible within the realm of possibility? Absolutely. Florida has talent. They do have a a, somewhat solid coaching staff, and they have a great home field advantage in the O-Dome, and that really helps in basketball. So uh, maybe... Play play good against Kentucky. Maybe beat them. Obviously, would be great. Or or maybe just lose close and and make a, win a game or two in the SEC tournament. Would that be enough? I think uh, beat Kentucky. They're in. Uh, lose to Kentucky, and anything with except maybe going to the final of the SEC tournament, and they're probably still out. Yeah, that's probably the case. Uh, we had a minute left, Adam. Uh, uh, since. Uh, sure. I talked to you last. Uh, you, it's been a couple of months, and we've seen the recruiting cycle mm-hmm. come and go. Uh, what's your uh, first opinion on uh, Billy Napier and the job he's doing? Sure. Well, from a recruiting standpoint, to see them close the way they did, first during the early signing period, and then during the regular National Signing Day, it wasn't as strong comparatively. But to see the effort they put in, the, the change of direction 
for the entire recruiting staff, the army that he's built to support recruiting. I think fans should be very excited. The 2023 recruiting uh, push for them is just getting started because they had to spend so much time on closing out that 2022 class. I think fans are going to be pretty happy uh, to see the class that he brings in next year. It's Adam Silverstein at OnlyGators.com. Is that the uh, what's the best way to access uh, OnlyGators.com? Uh, you just go to www.onlygators.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at OnlyGators. Uh, Adam, we really appreciate you joining us here tonight in the Ozone. Uh, it's it's so great to talk to you. You coming up to Tampa for some of the games? Uh, that is not in the plans right now, but I hope to uh, be around Gainesville hopefully at some point next year. Oh, we'll look forward to it. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Spring football will be here in no time. <laughs> Hey, yeah, that's uh, Adam sure. Silverstein from OnlyGators.com joining us here in the Ozone. Thanks, Adam. We really appreciate it. And now we're going to take our next break for Kim Commando and the Fox Business Brief. And then after that, we'll be live on tape with Holly Kane. And listen carefully because the sports quiz question, I'll be back live with that question after the interview with Holly Kane. And if you listen to that interview, you're going to know the answer and be able to win here in the Ozone with Coach Joe. Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. Earlier this week, Coach Joe caught up with Holly Kane. And here's that interview. The National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing, now beginning its 75th year of existence. That and the beautiful weather means a lot of auto racing around here. And that means it's time to talk to Holly Kane, NASCAR Wire Services, who's going to catch us up on everything. Holly, you've been very busy the last few weeks, haven't you? It is that great time of the year in Florida where all of the racing is. It goes back a few weeks, uh, back to Daytona, the uh, Rolex 24. I know you've been covering a lot of races. Were you there for any of that? Well, I covered the Rolex 24, which is the EMSA season opener. Then we had the Daytona 500, and I just finished covering the St. Pete Grand Prix for IndyCars. So it's, it's been great for me. I love it. I went sports car, NASCAR, IndyCar, and this week I'm getting ready to head out to Las Vegas to cover the uh, NASCAR circuit again. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's not just NASCAR with, with Holly. You, you know, that's a, a great race in St. Petersburg, the Grand Prix. It's the season opener for the IndyCars, isn't it? It is, and I'll tell you what, it is not only fantastic for people like you and I that really appreciate the racing racing part of it, but the drivers love it and the fans love it. And it's really the driver. Jimmy Johnson, you know, the seven-time champion in NASCAR who now races in IndyCar, told me that he considers it, along with the Long Beach Grand Prix, his two favorite places to come. And I think that says a lot. Well, it, it was absolutely gorgeous out there by the pier where they have the road course in St. Pete. And, and it lo- looks spectacular on TV. And it was a spectacular day for for Scott McLaughlin. Uh, that was his very first win on the IndyCar Series circuit. It was. And, you know, it, it, it was interesting. It came a day after he earned his very first pole position on the IndyCar <laughs> circuit. So he was already feeling super and... Uh, he is so talented. He's a three-time winner in the Australian Supercar Series, which is kind of like NASCAR on steroids in, in Australia. So he, he comes from that background, and learning IndyCars is very new to him. It was very moving for him uh, on Sunday, and he certainly he, he even sat down on the hot street 
to talk to his mom and dad who've been quarantined back. They, I believe they're in Australia, not in New Zealand, but in Australia. And uh, so he was so excited that they will finally be able to come see him race later this uh, year. They haven't seen him yet. It's been a while since he's seen his family. It goes back to 2020, doesn't it? Exactly, when he was racing uh, back out in uh, Australia. So he's excited to have them. It sounds like if I were to put two and two together, he's thinking they're going to be there in time for the Indianapolis 500. Ooh, that'd be exciting. That'd be exciting. And uh, um, one of the uh, great stars of IndyCar, uh, you know, you and I haven't talked a lot about IndyCars, but uh, Alex Pillow, uh, he was second in the race. It was a really great finish. Yes, and he is the defending series champion. And I think he's. I think people in America may not be totally familiar with him yet, but they're going to be because he is an amazing talent. So he was certainly chasing uh, Scott down, and uh, really, I have to say, it was one of the better races. Sometimes the races have been one driver leading the majority of laps, but uh, the three drivers with Scott McLaughlin, Alex Pillow, and uh, uh, Will Power, the other Penske driver, coming right up on him. So there were three drivers within a couple seconds, and it, it made for some great racing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the strategy involved uh, there. Scott Dixon, of course, six-time series champion, he made a third pit stop. Uh, I believe that uh, Alex Pillow and uh, Scott McLaughlin stuck with two. Uh, right. What was the thinking behind that? It seemed to make the big difference in the race, didn't it? Well, it just all comes down to strategy, and some of the teams like the three-stop and some like the two-stop. It also depends on things such as where cautions fall in the race, and also in IndyCar, unlike NASCAR, they have different types of tires. And so some cars would, would start on tires that were super fast but didn't last very long, and others started on the tires that went very long but weren't super fast. And by rule, you have to use both types of tires in the race. So there was strategy on that as well. Yeah, tires seem to be, a, at least early part of the racing season, seem to be a, a big story. Uh, looking at the NASCAR circuit, they went to that uh, new single lug nut uh, wheel system. And so far, it seems like, uh, and it happened again this week in California for Tyler Reddick, it seems as tire issues have been derailing uh, more favorites than uh, crashes. <laughs> well, there have been a lot of getting used to the tires. Uh, one thing that I would say even more so than that is watching the speeding on pit road and the penalties there because it's a whole different um, rhythm to get into for the pit stops. Their, their, their timing is different because it is just the one you know, lug nut, uh, so to speak, to get the tire off and change it. So that's played into it as well. And, uh, you know, it's a brand-new car, the next-gen car, and this weekend will be a huge test because it's at the 1.5-mile Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and the 1.5-milers make up the majority of the schedule in NASCAR. So there are a lot of eyes seeing how things go this weekend. It's not just that there's a single lug nut, Holly. It's uh, it's weird. It's, it's a different... Uh way to uh, uh, engage and disengage it, isn't it? It kind of goes in reverse. It does, and so that takes a little getting used to, right? I mean, it kind of is basically the complete opposite of whatever you had been doing for however many years <laughs> those tire changers have been. So, I, you know, I give everybody a little, you know, learning curve slack. How about that? <laughs> well, speaking of giving slack, if we're going to talk about that, they're supposed to be teammates, and, um, and you know, it, there's always something going on in NASCAR. What is the story with Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott? 
how did I know that's where you were going with that? <laughs> I'll tell well, you what that's all about. There certainly was that's a lot of two, drama. <laughs> yes, a lot of drama between two teammates that are fantastic drivers, both with championships, that now are accustomed to leading the races and vying for the win. So uh, immediately, Hendrick Motorsports, who is the team they drive for, said, don't worry, we're going to talk this out. Everything will be good to go by the time we get to Las Vegas. So we will see. But certainly Kyle Larson, as he was in the closing laps going for the win, uh, was in a three-wide situation with your favorite driver, Joey Logano, on one side of him, and Chase Elliott trying to make a three-wide pass on the other side of him. And he claimed that he did not see Chase. And when he went up high, he pushed Chase into the wall. So, uh, And then Kyle went on to win the race. So we will see, but it's, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. It reminds me of when Hendrick Motorsports had another couple guys on the team, a couple California guys, Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon, who are also both used to winning championships. So <laughs> at least the team has experience in dealing with this, right? Oh, yeah, definitely definitely has that. Well, it looked like Kyle Larson had the fastest car after Tyler Reddick, who won the first two stages of that race. Uh, you know, uh, uh, got disabled with a tire and then ended up getting struck. So it, then he fell way back after that. Uh, Chase Elliott was car was not the same after that incident. And in fact, at one point later, he seemed to spun, spin out out of nowhere, resulting in a caution, which was not advantageous to Larson at the time. That w- was not an intentional spin out, was it? Now, come on. That would never <laughs> happen in NASCAR. That would never happen in NASCAR. If you say it wasn't, that, that's all I need, right? I, all I know is that his car did hit the wall, so we don't know how it affected. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I have to believe that there was some sort of a situation with the car, and that's what it was. <laughs> well, speaking of situations, I want to. We we didn't get a chance to uh, review the Daytona 500, which is extremely exciting. I know your pick, Ryan Blaney, was on his way to passing Austin Cindric, and and Cindric, a rookie, pulls off an incredibly veteran move that cuts off Blaney and Bubba Wallace at the same time and gets to the line first. Yes, and uh, I I believe this is the third time that Blaney has lost out on winning that race with something happening in the final lap. So it will be interesting going forward, I think. <laughs> how I, I think he feels like I've been the good teammate, and he might not be going on, but that was a huge win for Austin Cindric and, and certainly for Roger Penske and his team and a typically dramatic final lap at the Daytona 500. And I'll tell you what, Bubba Wallace was the guy everyone was picking right before the race to win. He just had a fast car. He's so good at Daytona International Speedway. And I spoke with him on pit road right after the race, and he was just gutted by it, gutted not to win. So I think it uh, he is somebody that will get one of those Daytona 500 wins, too. Yeah, sometimes you just got to keep after it, keep after it. Uh, but everything was happening just the way you said, right up until Cindric cut off Blaney. So uh, we, uh, you know, Holly, if you didn't, didn't know, this was on Channel 13 in the pre- Always a, a great part of the pre-race uh, coverage at Daytona. And it was good seeing you on there. You're going to be doing some more TV? Well, thank you for saying that. Um, I Typically, that's the only TV <laughs> I do all year. Well, you should do more. <laughs> well, I love doing it, and I'm, I'm always grateful to uh, Channel 13 for Scott having me on and, and doing it. It's, it's a lot of fun, and um, we really get to discuss a lot of things going on. So it's great that the local Tampa market 
is able to do something like that. And I know that the people in the Tampa Bay area, this is one of uh, the main markets for NASCAR. They always turn in huge viewership numbers. Well, this week, you're heading to Vegas. That's why we appreciate you coming on tape with us uh, in advance. Heading to Vegas for the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube. And, uh, you know, Pennzoil, uh, I know somebody who drives a Pennzoil car. It seemed to me he, he'd likely be uh, my pick. In fact, I'm going to suggest this to you, Holly, when you get to Las Vegas, go uh-huh. uh, get off the plane and find your nearest uh, roulette wheel and, and put, put some coin down on 22, and I think you're going to be all right. <laughs> I will do that for you, as a matter of fact, and we will see what we can do. Yeah, Joey has won there at Las Vegas before, and, uh, you know, he's been in it both of these first two races. So we will we will see what it takes for him to go through. I, I read an interesting statistic that in the second race this week at California that seven or eight of the top ten finishers did not finish top ten in the Daytona 500. So it's been a very broad group of people that have fared well in the first two races. And the only person that has had two top tens has been Tampa's own Eric Almarola. So we will see how Las Vegas uh, turns out for these guys. Yeah, Eric Almarola, great story uh, as he starts his final season of racing. And we'll talk more about him another time because uh, he, he's a great driver and a great story as well. And, and Holly, uh, hey, you got a birthday coming up. So anything you win in Vegas, you, you keep. You don't, have to, you don't have to give me my cut at all. Just, uh, <laughs> just let Joey know that I picked him, okay? <laughs> I will do that, and thank you for the birthday wishes. As a cancer survivor, I will take the birthdays no matter how old it's. Oh, I'll tell you, you know, uh, 65% of the earth is covered by water, but 100% of the earth's auto races are covered by Holly Kane, and we are so blessed to have you on our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great time in Vegas. Thank you so much for having me on. I love being on with you. Take care. Take care, Holly. Hi, I'm Chris Leak, MVP of the 2006 BCS National Championship game for the Florida Gators. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Hey, it's Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. Since 1956, they've been turning scrap metal into cash. Time for the Alehouse Sports Quiz here in the Ozone. You've got Coach Joe. Ronnie will be back next week. Unless he goes to the Gators game. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. We want to thank, uh, though, our guest, Adam Silverstein from OnlyGators.com, who talked to us in depth about the men's and women's basketball programs at the University of Florida. It was uh, great catching back up with Adam. And, of course, we want to thank Holly Kane for catching us up on all the goings on in auto racing, especially around uh, these parts with the recent racing and a, and a little preview of where uh, she's she is this week in Vegas for the NASCAR race. Hey, not nice work if you can get it, right, Eric? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I hope you're listening to the interview with Holly Kane, or maybe you know the answer anyway, because the answer was contained within that interview. And if you listen to it, you'd know the answer to this sports quiz question brought to you by the Alehouse, 5650 South Florida Avenue, where there's 40 strategically located TVs and drinking meal specials every night and for your enjoyment of sports and of food. That's the place to be at the Alehouse. So uh, here is sports quiz question for a $30 discount at the Alehouse. Call us at 682-1430. That's 682-1430 if you know the answer to this question. Scott McLaughlin was the season-opening IndyCar race winner last Sunday. 
All you have to do for the $30 is tell us in what city was that race held. Easy one, right, Eric? We know that because we were talking to Holly, and she oh, told yeah. us all about it. I heard her say it. That's the IndyCar race that was held last Sunday. Where? What city? Scott McLaughlin won it. The season-opening Indy race, 682-1430, 682-1430. Easy money for you fans out there to win. And, uh, hey, also give us a call if you're going to go to Tampa next week to see any of the SEC men's tournament. You know, that's uh, really exciting. I've been to the SEC tournament one time. It was in New Orleans. The Gators didn't do much that year, uh, but it was still a lot of fun to go to, and we had a great time with it. Um, The women this week are doing their SEC tournament in Nashville, and uh, it was interesting because the Gators had to play at at Vanderbilt in their men's game on Tuesday, and the women had already arrived in town for the tournament, and it was interesting that they got to watch uh, watch the Gator men's men's team play that game. You know, the Gator men were playing Vanderbilt. The Vanderbilt men have Scottie Pippen Jr. on their team, so it was interesting. Uh, Scottie Pippen was at the game, and a lot of shots of him enjoying most of the game because Scottie Pippen Jr. was lighting it up with 29 points. But then uh, he missed the key free throw at the end. The Gators get the rebound, and they win by a score of 82 to 78. Now, we've got, we're going to give away some money tonight. Who, who's, who's calling us uh, tonight here in the Ozone? Jim, you going you gonna to take some of Eric's money from us? I sure am, I hope. All right, yeah. So you were listening to uh, when we were talking to Holly Kane. She was talking about the great win for Scott McLaughlin in the IndyCar race. Where was it uh, held? At St. Petersburg. That's right. You got it. That, was, that looked amazing to watch on TV, the way they were racing around. The, you know, grand, uh, the IndyCar racing, especially when they they run a Grand Prix like that on a road course. That that uh, That's that's a lot of fun to watch, uh, although there's not quite as much passing, is there? Right, yeah, I've watched a little bit of it myself. Yeah, a lot it's less. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, a lot less crashing too. But, the, but it's yeah, it's definitely uh, it's it's fascinating to watch. One of these days, I got to get out there and see it live. I've been meaning to do do that because that is a really a really cool setup that they have. And man, last Sunday would have been a great day to to do it too. The weather was perfect. It was in the seventies and bright sunshine, and uh, it looked spectacular. It was. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, the Gator men against Kentucky this this weekend. How are we going to do, Jim? I hope the Gators can beat them by one point at least. That's all <laughs> I care about, one point. Just whatever the, it takes. That's what the Vanderbilt game was like back on Tuesday. Just win somehow, some way, and they pulled it out. Yeah. I love watching them because they never quit. And it's fun to watch a team like that, even though at times they don't look as good as the other team. They just hang in there and hang in there. And they end up fighting it out to the end, and they've lost a couple of the close ones, but they pulled out more than their share, haven't they? Oh, they have this year. Yep. They've been good. Oh, for sure. Hey, the women are a great story, too. Their game should be about 3.30 tomorrow. I wasn't sure earlier when I was talking to Adam, but that's going to be on the SEC Network. And uh, it's mm-hmm. it's worth checking out. They are they are really, you know, the, the Gator women's teams have, have had such a great decade, really, uh, over the last 10 to 15 years uh, with their sports program. But the women's basketball team was the one team that was not doing well. But they are they are something to watch this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I really, I, really liked, I really liked their new coach, Kelly Ray Finley. That, that's exciting. Uh, He's done a great job. Yeah. And, Jim, you did a great job winning 
the $30 for Lakeland Ale House. Now, what I want you to do is stay on the line, so I'm going to hand you over to Eric, and he's going to get all your information. But don't give him your Social Security number or anything like that, no matter how much he begs. Cause oh, man! <laughs> we just need a name. Oh, you bring right. you bring your ID to the Ale House, and they'll they'll get you set up, and you, you, t- you okay. tell them that you're Excellent. an Ozone winner. Jim, congratulations. Stay on the line, and Eric will be talking to you in just a minute. That's All right. that's Jim. Congratulations to him. We got a winner right there because this we like to reward our listeners. The ozone. Listen to, to the interview with Holly Kane, and you knew the answer really easily. That the Grand Prix of Saint Petersburg this past week won by Scott McLaughlin in his uh, first win as an IndyCar racer, a very promising young driver, and a, a really exciting stuff there. And also exciting stuff with Gator women's basketball. Their game is on the SEC network. It is approximately 3:30 tomorrow. It'll start up. 25 minutes after the end of the first game of the afternoon with number one South Carolina playing Arkansas, who beat Missouri just a little while ago. And Kentucky uh, won over Mississippi State tonight in the women's uh, bracket and of the SEC, and they will play LSU tomorrow as well. And there's another one more game left tonight uh, between Alabama and Georgia, also on the SEC network. So there's a, a, lot, a lot going on with the women this week and then next week in Tampa with the men's basketball SEC tournament you get a chance you should go see it and not definitely watch it on tv and definitely tune in next week here in the ozone with where ronnie will either be back or he'll be at the games <laughs> one way or the other we'll be here live as always next thursday night here in the ozone coach joe happy you could join us here tonight and hoping you can join us again next week on talk radio 96.7 wlkm